you would remain standing and open your Bibles to Psalm 27. Making the connection this week to our series coming up in John, in John's Gospel. This morning, Psalm 27. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of his temple, for he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have arisen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. The Word of God. Let's pray and ask for help. Father, thank you for this, your Word. Lord, we acknowledge this morning living with fears and anxieties. Both real threats on the outside of us and things very deep in our hearts and our minds. Lord, would you help us? Would we see Jesus here? Lord, may we by your spirit be transformed shaped more and more into the image of Christ. And it's in His name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Fear and anxiety are everywhere. It seems like to me that our society more and more runs on fear uses fear as fuel, whether it's the 24-hour news cycle, 
that gives rise to anxiety. Social media posts by friends or maybe by people that you don't even know where things are really, really looking great and going well, making you feel some sense of anxiety that you're not there or some terrible social media post presenting you with something that you can't do anything about. Fear and anxiety. They're alive and well in our society, yet the most common command in the Scriptures is what? Can you guess it? Don't be afraid. Maybe the Lord knows us so well that He had to keep repeating it. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Fear not. Here's the thing in the Scriptures, our fears are rooted deeply in our loves. Anxieties are rooted in loves. Why is it that we're told to fear God? It's the other side of the coin of love. Hold Him in awe and reverence. Fearing Him. We are in awe of God. We want to please God and be reverent in front of Him. However, our lives are often dominated by all these other fears. Because they're dominated by other loves. I could mention 20 or 30 of these and just rattle them off and you would understand exactly what I mean. From everyday variety, fear and anxiety, run-of-the-mill stuff to very real threats. External threats are real and you should definitely address them and pay attention to them. So many of our fears, though, are from the inside. Anxieties in our minds, in our hearts. Fears concerning work or school or relationships. Safety, the well-being of those that we love. Maybe someone we know is sick. Maybe we realize that we've been captured by some sin and we're afraid. Are we ever going to get out? I don't want to be here. A lot of our lives are dominated by these internal and external fears rooted in the things that we love. Today we see the psalmist pointing to some clear and present dangers that he faces. These things will definitely create anxiety and fear. But here's the interesting thing about the psalm. Fear is not the theme of the psalm. not the theme of the psalm. It's the backdrop. It's the background. The psalm is all about what to do with fear, what to do with this anxiety. It's very important for us as Christians to be honest about fear. I love the scriptures again and again and again. The scriptures are way more honest than we are about things like this. We don't want to say I'm afraid. We don't want to say I'm crippled by anxiety. We don't want to say I'm paralyzed because I don't know what to do and I'm afraid of X, Y, or Z happening. Yet the scriptures again and again and again present these realities to us. Before we get into how he's going to 
address these things in his own heart and life. Let's just take a look at some of the the specifics about what he's talking about. Look at verse 2. When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh. He's being hunted by wicked men. And eat up his flesh. They want to do his body violence. This is not a nice phrase. He's being hunted personally. You get a sense that wicked men have a vendetta against him and they're out to get him. Verse 3, though an army encamp against me, though war arises against me, the threat isn't just individuals who want to do him violence. He literally has armies. And here he's probably thinking back over his life. And David no doubt knew what it was to sit across from an enemy army and them have their crosshairs right on him. He he knew what it was to be hunted. He mentions more. Verse 10, my father and mother have forsaken me. We'll have more to say about that. Not just individual external threats, not just institutional threats, but family. Family. Hits a little closer to home. Verse 12 gives us the last specific glimpse of the problem. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me. They breathe out violence. Again, very real enemies, those who would lie about him, sell him out, bearing false witness. Again, we should be struck by the honesty of this. Do we ever share this? Would we dare breathe a word of this kind of fear to others? However, again, the focus of the psalm is not fear and anxiety. It's this. What do the people of God do with that? Generally, the psalm gives four answers. One, light in the darkness. Two, a place to hide. Three, a presence to comfort. Four, a path to walk. And five, courage in death. It's really interesting. Each of these points being made in the psalm, ways to take our fears, where to go with them, each of them find their climax in Christ Himself. Jesus, a light in the darkness. Jesus, a hiding place. Jesus, a presence of comfort. Jesus, a path to walk. Jesus, whose resurrection is our certain hope in the face of death. Jesus. It's a psalm about Jesus. First, the light in the darkness. Look, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? He directly confronts his fear with Light, salvation, and a stronghold. When I was a kid, there were certain preconditions to me sleeping. Did you have any preconditions to you going to sleep? One of, maybe I'm the only one. One of my preconditions when I was real small is I wanted the door open into the hallway, and I wanted the hallway light turned on. Don't, don't laugh at me. I know that I'm not the only one. I wanted a little 
crack of the door open so I could hear what's going on. And I wanted the hallway light to be on. Not too much light, but enough to expel the darkness so I could get to sleep. If you know what it's like to be afraid of the dark, you you know you get the metaphor that's going on here. In Scripture, light functions as a metaphor. Darkness hides hidden dangers. Darkness as sin, evil, even death and the enemy. Light then breaking into that darkness is safety, hope, security, righteousness, truth, goodness. The Old Testament says certainly that God created light. He gives light. He shows light. But here the psalmist says that the Lord is light. I wish right there we could just have a footnote. See John's Gospel. The Lord is light. He is light. Breaking into the darkness that is us. Breaking into the fears that we carry, the anxieties that weigh us down day in and day out. He is light breaking into that. We just heard read the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. The light was breaking into the world. That is Christ. Further, the psalmist links that to salvation. What What an interesting place to find salvation in the face of fear. Salvation. There's a very interesting thing about salvation. It's only good for those who need saving. Salvation is only good for those who need a Savior. Confronting your fears, your your, Deep, dark anxieties, maybe crippling anxieties, knowing that you have been saved. Knowing that the rescue has already occurred. My salvation. The psalmist needs salvation. Can't find it in himself. Needs it from the Lord. This is exactly what Jesus came to do. He came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus is our salvation. Not only the light breaking into our fear and anxiety, but our Savior, a rescuer, redeemer. He goes on, the Lord is the stronghold of my life. Not just a refuge, but God Himself is the refuge. We'll have more to say about that soon. Key to this section again to understanding it for ourselves. So look at the look at the psalmist's use of these pronouns. The Lord is my light, my salvation, the stronghold of my life. He's believing, believing and relying on these realities. He's telling himself the truth. The good news for every single one of us. And every single one of us, whether we admit it or not, deal with fear and anxiety. We just do. God is the light. Salvation has broken in in Him. He is a stronghold that we are invited into. 
Verse 3 shows the extent of the peace. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. That's what this light and salvation and stronghold results in for him. If you're like me at this point, you could tend to be just laid flat. Like, I'm never going to get there. I'm never going to be that calm in the face of danger. And you would be right to say it. I don't think this terminates in David. Kind of like Psalm 22, a, a psalm about Jesus. They open wide their mouths at me like ravening and roaring lion. Dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircle me. It's commonly understood that Psalm 22 is not about David. It's about his greater son, Jesus. Psalm 22 and Psalm 27 are not pointing us to be fearless. Like, go out from this place and stand in front of an enemy army utterly fearless. They're telling us that we have a king who has been fearless for us. We're being pointed to the one who faced our worst fears. And he walked that path in front of us. Jesus was rejected for us. He knew utter rejected. Utter rejection. Jesus was handed over to sinful men, betrayed by a friend. He knew rejection. He was put on trial, though he committed no wrong. He was slandered and mocked. He was surrounded by a company of evildoers. Yet Jesus went willingly. He willingly subjected himself to suffer and die. That's where we're being pointed. That is an antidote for our very real fears, is to find ourselves in Him, the fearless one. Our light, our salvation, and our stronghold. Not only is He light, salvation, and stronghold, He's a place to hide, verses 4 through 6. Just as kids who are a little bit afraid of the dark, might need a sliver of the door open and the light going. Sometimes you might need a place to hide. Trouble comes. Hide. Listen. One thing I've asked the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. Hey, this is too much. I've got to go. Where can I go? Where can I hide? One request, he says. What a great question. Like if, if, if I could ask you or you could ask me, would we really have an answer to that? What's one thing that you really long for, for all of your life? I wonder if it would sound anything like this. What a great desire to dominate the landscape of life. His one desire is that he would have a hiding place. He wanted to be in the presence of God. He wanted to be in the temple of God, meditating and inquiring on who God is. He wanted to gaze. Just simply gaze at 
beauty and be stunned by it? Have you ever seen something so beautiful that it just captures you? A piece of art? Maybe a piece of music? Maybe a landscape? Two years ago, our family, over two years ago now, our family took a trip and I keep going back to that because those things so captured me. They captured my gaze and my emotions so much so that everything else in those moments utterly faded to the background. Not, not only was I not worried about my phone ringing, I didn't care that there were phones. Beauty. And, and those are just simple made things. God created those things. David is saying, I want to gaze at you. I want to consider your character, your greatness, so much so that fear and anxiety fade. Those things are still still real, still present, but the power of them utterly goes away. Gazing at the glory of God. This is what David is doing this is what he's saying in the face of these armies and personal attacks and political rivalries fear on every side I want to be with God I want to look at him I want to gaze at him by looking and gazing at God David is overcome by beauty which casts out fear that's exactly what we read in first John 4 there is no fear in love but perfect love casts out fear Love casts out fear. Knowing love like that, a God like that, inquiring of Him, being in His presence continually. Most of us simply want to be taken out of the situation. When I have fear or anxiety, just get me out of this. Take me away from it. We want our circumstance to change. That's the way we would probably answer that question. What's one thing that you would want if if you were given anything? What, What would you ask for? Hey, take me out of this situation or put me into a better situation. David says, I want to gaze at God. I want to be with Him. By doing this, David finds himself a hiding place. Verse 5, for he will hide me in the shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted above my enemies all around me. I'll have perspective, in other words. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. This being delivered out of fear through the gaze of God inevitably leads to what we're doing here. We worship. We worship Him. We acknowledge not changed circumstances. Those things in your life that bother you most, you went to bed with last night, and guess what? You woke up with them this morning. And you brought them here with you. God is a hiding place. Rather than seeing the battle primarily as a battle with enemies or family or circumstance, he he changes the battlefield altogether. Makes it about his heart, his desires, 
finding God, seeing Him, reflecting on Him, considering Him, singing to Him, worshiping God. He changes everything. That's why this isn't a psalm about fear. It's not about that. He's saying not that, rather this. Child of God, when you're afraid, worship is a great place to be. Whether here with brothers and sisters or at home, gazing at God. Do you know how defiant singing can be? Do you know how defiant it is when everything in you is screaming, I need to do something about my problem just to stop, stop doing and pray to God? Do you know how defiant it is in the face of fear just to open your Bible and say, Lord, help me and read it? Not only does David find a place to hide in God, he also finds a presence which brings him comfort. Listen to his prayers here. Be gracious to me. Answer me. Hide not away from me. Turn not your servants away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off. Forsake me not. Remarkably honest prayer. Does fear and worship prompt this kind of honesty? From us? Only desperate people pray like this. Lord, help me. Don't throw me away. Don't leave me. Notice the resounding answer he gives to these in verse 10. My father and mother have forsaken me. Everybody's gone. We're not exactly sure what he's talking about in his personal experience. This could be the death of his parents. It could be as bad as parents just utterly abandoning children. Which is horrible. It's terrible. Do you imagine the pain of that? My father and mother have forsaken me, but he answers his own soul. What's he say? The Lord will take me in. I'm His. I'm His. I belong to Him. Imagine, again, there are probably very few things more painful in life than losing parents. Having parents walk away. Maybe some of you have even experienced the pain of that. Don't forget His answer. The Lord will take me in. It's an incredible reality about God, and that's this. God loves you more than any human mother or father. Time and time again, the Scriptures refer to God as Father. He cares for you. He sees you. He hears you. He will never leave you or forsake you. That's what it means to be a child of God and a co-heir of Christ. We're his kids. We're adopted by him. What a great antidote to fear. We have a father who will never leave us, never forsake us, and he calls us his own because of what Jesus has done. 
midst of fear and anxiety, the psalmist also prays for a path to walk. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. This level path business sounds familiar, familiar, doesn't it? This easy walking path. Lead me in the paths of righteousness for your namesake. When we're afraid and our souls get anxious within us, what's something that we tend to do? tend to wander away. We tend to sin. We tend to kind of pull everything in and and get all the control that we can because we're afraid and if we can only muster up enough control, then we can fix the situation. We sin. That's why he's connecting dots between, Lord, lead me on a level path even though I'm anxious and in trouble. Sometimes we sinfully deal with fear and David wisely asked in the midst of that to learn from God and be led on a level path because of the threat of his enemies. Keep me going straight. Don't let me walk off a cliff. Alastair Groves put it like this, quote, when you're anxious, when you perceive the enemy is pressing upon you, the temptation skyrockets to leave the level path of life to take matters into your own hands, end quote. I think we all know the reality of that. In asking this of God, David is also acknowledging his own inability to stay the course. I'm going to mess it up. I'm going to wander off. I'm going to be in a huge mess. Lord, lead me on a level path. Don't let me die. God must be at work here or we're in trouble. Again, this is a prayer of faith coming from a broken heart. Lastly, courage in death. Listen to David's very simple and yet profoundly beautiful conclusion here. I believe that I shall... Look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. David is believing. He's trusting. He trusts that he will again see the goodness of God on display. Parents have left. Armies coming against him. People want him ripped apart limb from limb. He is hated. He is lied against. And he says, again, I will see that God is good. And I will see it in the land of the living. You have to pick up on that. There are really two ways that we can approach but the payoff is the same. One, I'm going to live through this. God is going to see me through. Alive. The other is through death. Through the valley of the shadow of death, he will again see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. A huge antidote for fear and anxiety that's crippling in this life is to know that this is not the end. It's not the end. This life is not all there is. 
like get all the toys you can get, then die, and that's, that's it. That is not the answer. If that's all that motivates your life, you will be dominated by fear. David's hope is that there's more. There's more beyond this life. Job had this hope. I love this. Listen to this. Job 19, for I know that my Redeemer lives. Job, who had suffered horribly, says, I know my Redeemer lives. And that, and at the last, He will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed and in my flesh, I shall see God, whom I see for myself and my eyes shall behold and not another. I will see Him. I will see Jesus. That is a powerful antidote to fear and crippling anxiety. This is not the end. That's what makes Paul's whole argument in 1 Corinthians 15 so powerful. Right? He says, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are, of all people, the most to be pitied. What a shame of a life. If only for this life. But he goes on. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Resurrection. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection from the dead. For as in Adam all die, so as in Christ shall all be made alive. Child of God, there is hope beyond your circumstance. There is hope beyond the enemy army. There's hope beyond crippling fear and anxiety on the inside. There is hope beyond that. You again will see the goodness of the Lord in Christ in the land of the living. Do you know that? Not only sustaining us through the everyday fears and anxieties of life, but in the face of death itself. Confident hope. Sure expectation. To glimpse, to see the goodness of the Lord, not in the land of the dead, but in the land of the living. In the face of our own fear, where do we see the psalmist pointing us? Hopefully we see Jesus, the light, in the darkness. We're going to have a huge footnote on that one thought. See the Gospel of John. Jesus, our hiding place. Jesus, a presence to comfort. Jesus, a path to walk. Jesus, whose resurrection is our certain hope in the face of death. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Would you shape us by it? Or do we come together this morning, those who um, struggle, we wrestle in fear and anxiety day in and day out. Remind us, Lord, of these gorgeous truths. May we gaze at you. And may your beauty so overwhelm us, capture us, that the crippling fears and anxieties would fade into the back, background. Lord, help us. These things are too big for us. Would your spirit bless and would you be at work in Christ's name? Amen.